This episode was recorded on the country of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present. Despite the destructive impact of the colonial invasion of Australia, Aboriginal culture has endured and is now globally recognised as one of the world's oldest living cultures. Acknowledging our shared past lays the groundwork for a future which embraces all Australians. A future based on mutual respect and shared responsibility for healing country. Welcome to Weekend Birda. I'm your host, Kirsty Costa. I'm thrilled to welcome Stephanie Chambers back to the pod. Stephanie and their partner, Amy, spoke to us on episode 11 about the Sydney Bird Club. I'm so glad that Stephanie is back to share their birdwatching smarts with us. In this episode, they are going to share what they know about the relationship between birds and trees and the joys of the rainbow bee eater. But first, Stephanie has been on some awesome birding adventures, and there is one bird that just keeps appearing time and time again. Since we've last spoken, we've had some interesting walks with the Sydney Bird Club. I don't know how much your listeners know about Sydney Bird Club, but it's a local bird club that my partner Amy and I started in Sydney when we moved here seven years ago now. And we did it to meet other birders and to create an inclusive space for folks to come out and join us. We do a free walk each season. And this year, our unofficial mascot has become, believe it or not, the buff banded rail. For those that don't know buff banded rails, these birds are small, always on the ground, about chicken sized, with beautiful markings of black and white stripes on the chest and orange-ish markings elsewhere. Birders who do know the buff banded rail will know how notoriously shy they are. I'll just make a note, this city is full of so many bold and in-your-face birds but the buff banded rail is not one of them. Anyway, before each walk that we do for Sydney Bird Club, we do what we call prep walks, where we create checklists that we give to people on the day. Some of the birds that we add on the checklist feel like a sure thing and some are aspirational. When we did our prep walk for our summer twilight walk in Sydney, we briefly saw a pair of buff banded rails, so we included them on the checklist but I thought for sure our large group would scare them off even if we got lucky on the day. Flash forward to our walk, and there they were, strolling right onto the path, minds exploding to the left of me, to the right of me, pencils checking off the bird on the checklist, and I thought, wow, that that was really lucky. And then for our autumn walk, we did the Randwick Environment Park in Sydney, which is not close to Sydney Park. And even though we knew buff banded rails were there, we didn't even bother to include them on the checklist. I mean, lightning doesn't strike twice, does it? So there we were, 60 or so happy, chatty people walking through the park, making a lot of noise um, and definitely too much, I would think, for buff banded rails. But just like last time, a pair just strolls out. What's so funny, though, is they weren't on our checklist, um, but people who had done the summer walk remembered them. So there was this sort of hush. And you could see people writing the word buff banded rail in large letters on their checklist. And that's why the buff banded rail has become our unofficial mascot. I tell that story because when the club started to get a bit bigger and we started to attract more people on our group, I had this huge fear that the more people we had, the less birds we would see because I thought the noise, the activity would scare them off. 
But after the back-to-back buff-banded rails, I realized that all those extra eyeballs and all those extra ears meant we would see even more. And so I've changed my thinking on that, especially in a large public park that's used to a lot of cyclists or walkers. And one thing that's become really important is the social activity of birding with Sydney Bird Club. I think I've seen in the last six months so many articles about people being lonely or feeling isolated. And so with Sydney Bird Club, we want people to come out, the more the merrier, have a chat, see some birds, hopefully see the buff banded rail again. Stephanie combines their love of birds with their love of art and design. Their business, Outer Island, inspires people to think about and appreciate the planet while simultaneously transporting them out of their everyday world. I'm keen to hear Stephanie's insights into why so many people love birds. So Outer Island is me and my partner, Amy Rank. I'm a fine artist and Amy is a graphic designer and we create sustainably made products featuring native birds, animals and habitats with a percentage of our bird work donated to BirdLife. We create different products throughout the year, but each year we do a big Christmas launch of ornaments, tree toppers, and Christmas bonbons featuring birds. This year, we decided that we would let people vote in a poll for what new bird ornament they'd like us to do. And so for the birds, we gave them four choices, a crested shrike tit, a blue-faced honey eater, a regent honey eater, and a rainbow bee eater. I really love crested shrike tits, and from an aesthetic perspective, I always thought that visually they would make a striking ornament because of their black, yellow, white heads and crest. Um, So I thought for sure the crested shrike tit would win, but it actually came in last. And the blue-faced honey eater came in after the crested shrike tit. So um, the rainbow bee eater prevailed by a huge margin. And so we've come out with a brand new Rainbow Bee Eater Christmas ornament. We've also recently just launched a Royal Spoonbill, Spotted Partalote, and Cockatiel this year. Whenever we go to create our work for Outer Island, um, Amy and I joke, we call it field work. Very different to what scientists do in the field, but we get out there with our cameras and our sketchbooks and pencils. We make observational notes about what we're seeing. And so... We create work that's based on our own firsthand experiences. And then we get back to the studio and I try to do a bit of research about the bird. And what's so interesting is whenever you do a deep dive into something, you always learn something new and fascinating. We feel really lucky to get to do the work that we do. feel really lucky as artists that we get to step outside the studio and then bring what we see outside the studio into our work. We just love nature. We love sharing it with people. Check out our work on our website, which is outerisland.com.au if you're interested. One of the birds that Stephanie has been researching for their art and design work is the rainbow bee-eater, the only species of bee-eater in Australia. The bird itself is so striking with color and it's also blended. It has spots that are almost like a seamless transition from one bright primary color to another. And I think there's a fascination with brightly colored birds. It doesn't seem like it should exist, but there it is, this beautiful tutti-frutti bird that I think just brings so many people joy. Color makes us happy. And so I think when you get a bird that colorful, it makes you feel happy too. 
As Stephanie highlighted, the rainbow bee-eater is a vibrantly coloured bird. It has a greenish-blue head, a golden-yellow throat and chest, and its wings and tail display a striking mix of black, blue and green hues. It also has a black stripe across its eye. Well worth a Google search if you've never seen one before. The rainbow bee-eater migrates to northern Australia for winter and then flies south when it's warmer to breed. It can be found in eastern Indonesia, New Guinea and occasionally in the Solomon Islands as well. Together with its mate, it will dig a long, narrow tunnel in the ground to lay its eggs. This tunnel can be up to one metre long. Amazing! Both parents incubate the eggs and feed their chicks, sometimes with the help of another male rainbow bee-eater, which is called an auxiliary. You will find the bee-eaters hanging out near water in open forests, woodlands and shrublands. Sometimes they also live in farmlands, orchards and vineyards. Here's an example of the rainbow bee-eater call. That recording was by Mark Anderson on Kunya Country near Kanamala in Queensland. Even though it's called a bee-eater, it also eats insects like beetles, wasps, moths, butterflies and dragonflies. It can launch off its perch, hover in one place like a helicopter, and then twist and turn as it chases its insect snacks around. If the bee-eater has caught a bee or a wasp, it will rub the insect against the branch it's sitting on to remove the stings and venom glands. Very cool to watch. Stephanie has also found out something very interesting about the way that the rainbow bee-eater digests its food. When I did research about the rainbow bee-eaters, I, I found out that they have pellets like owls, um, which I had no idea. But because of their pellets and because of their bee-eating diet, um, scientists are actually examining their pellets to see how far-ranging the varroa mite infestation is for bees, which just completely blew my mind. How amazing. Pellets are the undigested part of a bird's food, which are regurgitated and coughed up through its beak. Very cool that the rainbow bee-eater pellets are helping scientists learn more about Australia's bees. Changing tracks, Bird Week is an annual art exhibition held in Sydney, which coincides with National Bird Week in October. It promotes the importance of birds and raises money for BirdLife Australia. This year, Stephanie and their partner Amy were invited to be involved. Angela Roberts and Buchanan, an incredible photographer, wildlife carer and author, founded it seven years ago. And each year she does the exhibition with Egg Picnic, the dynamic design duo of Camilla and Chris, and printmaker Fiona Roderick. This year we've been very fortunate to be invited to be the fourth main artist in the exhibition. And there's also a wall of mixed art by various artists responding to the brief, which is always exciting to see. Each year there's a different theme, and this year the exhibition is called From the Ground Up which focuses on the connection between birds and trees. It's an incredible relationship, completely interdependent. In many cases, you have a true symbiotic relationship. But birds and trees and other parts of the ecosystem are intertwined in ways that when you start to approach it as an artist are fascinating. And so for birds, trees provide shelter, habitat, places to nest, places to perch. For trees, it can be very interesting, especially in Australia, as you have birds act as pollinators, especially honey eaters. 
Um, you have cassowaries with seed dispersal in the rainforest. It's interesting as an artist, especially if you're dealing with a specific subject matter, you often pare it down. And when I started to approach this subject matter, it's almost impossible to pare it down because everything is so connected in our environment. And that's what makes it so interesting and beautiful. Um, but at this exhibition, what will be interesting is the different approach that each artist has within the exhibition and then the mixed artists. In terms of our own work that we're making, we've approached it in a few different ways. The painting that I'm personally most excited about making is of an Eastern yellow robin perched on a branch with fungi and lichen. I'm a bit of a fungi freak, so I knew I wanted to find a way to incorporate fungi into one of the artworks. But what I didn't expect to discover is a whole new field of study called ornithomycology. Your listeners might know this, but at the roots of all trees are fungi, which help the trees deal with poor soil conditions and assist in nutrient uptake. The fungi are essential to tree survival, and in turn, the trees provide the fungi with carbohydrates, allowing them to grow so it's a mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. With this said, there are a few known fungi bird eaters out there, including cassowaries and brush turkeys, which kick up and eat truffles on the ground, which then in turn spread their spores, spreading this beneficial relationship between fungi and trees. Everything out there is connected, like I said before, and in the artwork, what I'm trying to do is show the larger relationship between birds and trees. And the reason I'm including an eastern yellow robin is that they've been um, observed eating fungi. So excited, and I think it will be so interesting to see how the other artists in the exhibition interpret the theme. Um, Angela actually spent some time recently in WA at the Karakin Black Cockatoo Conservation Center and took some photographs. So I think she'll be incorporating that some of that into her work for the exhibition. As a wildlife carer, she's had some rescues that have ultimately gone there to live. And also, as a wildlife carer, she knows bird behavior so well. So it's always interesting to see what she creates. Egg Picnic often works directly in conjunction with scientists. So I have a feeling we'll see some very interesting symbiotic relationships by them. And Fiona is a traditional printmaker, um, so I'm very interested to see in how she relates the subject of texture between trees and birds. There is a link in the show notes to the Bird Week exhibition at the Corner Gallery in Stanmore if you're in Sydney from October 19th to November 5th. And if you can't make it this year, it is held every year at the end of October during National Bird Week. Highly recommend a visit. And we've got two episodes about robins ahead in season two of Weekend Birder, so there's lots to look forward to. If you ever need some ideas about where to go birdwatching in Sydney, Stephanie and Amy are the people to talk to. Here is Stephanie's latest discovery. Our favourite place to go birding is anywhere with wattle, um, which lucky for us is everywhere. One of the places that we've been visiting most recently and um, it's not a place that we had been before, is Rookwood Cemetery. Believe it or not, Rookwood Cemetery is actually the largest green space in Sydney. I love it because it reminds me a little bit of Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, which is um, a large cemetery that I lived by for many years. Rookwood has um, an enormous footprint, a range of bird life, and if you're a history buff, I mean, there's so much there to see. 
So yeah, Brookwood Cemetery is our recommendation right now. If anyone wants to join us on a walk in Sydney, um, just head to sydneybirdclub.com or follow us on Instagram, Sydney Bird Club. The walks are free to join and we love new people. Stephanie has a full plate, preparing for the exhibition, running their design business and coordinating the Sydney Bird Club. Here is how they fit in birdwatching amongst it all. Amy and I had been working so much last year that when the new year came, I said, that's it. I'm doing more birding. I'm getting outside. And the best time of day for me to do that is to just take a nice long walk at lunch and just observe the birds in my local area. So with the lunchtime birding, it's about taking the space just for a few minutes. It doesn't have to be very long. And just observing the bird life in your local area, putting the phone down, getting outside, just observing. And where we live in the inner west in Sydney, there's some really amazing spots that I try to get to during the week, including the Cooks River, Sydney Park, or the Bay Run. Anecdotally, I will share that there are more king parrots and galahs this year than I've seen in years. It's not just me. Other people are saying that too. Um, So that can make for a very exciting lunchtime birdie. If you don't have the space to walk, you can find a place to sit. And if you usually sit and eat at your desk, maybe take your lunch outside, sit outside, leave your phone in the office, and just be in your environment. Look for birds, listen for birds, look for birds. And it's very relaxing. Sometimes I try to come up with silly names or concepts to motivate myself. And I came up with with the phrase microcation, which is like a mini vacation. And so it's it's a two or three minute vacation that you can take away from your everyday world. And so with the lunchtime birdies, sometimes I'll joke and I'll tell Amy, oh, I'm just going on a microcation. I'll be I'll be right back. So stupid. <laughs> Many thanks to Stephanie for the important work that they are doing to connect our community to the joy of birds. If you follow Weekend Birder on Instagram, stay tuned for an Outer Island giveaway. If you've missed the giveaway, there are plenty more coming up this season. In the next episode, we are celebrating the joys of birdwatching and the Aussie bird count with comedian Geraldine Hickey. Catch you then.